everyone, it's June 11th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I want to thank you for joining with us as we encourage each other to read through the Bible in a year. We are finding our place in the story and hopefully responding to the grace of God offered to us, the peace of God that has been won for us, and a new birth that has been made available to us through faith in His Word, the Living Word. The Apostle Peter writes of believers, saying in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. That Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus Christ. In the past two days, we have been reading in the book of Acts the testimony of the first martyr, Stephen, as he summarizes his allegiance to the Old Testament in regard to the history of Israel, the law of Moses, the temple, and the prophets, by focusing on the big picture, the author of all the redemptive action that has taken place in Israel's history, the God of glory himself, and he proves that Jesus of Nazareth, crucified and risen, is the fulfillment of all that was anticipated in the Old Testament. This is true, and we will see more parallels and prophetic fulfillments on the rest of our journey through the Bible. We are currently in the section known as the historical books in the Old Testament and learning of Israel's kings. Today we will read of the joyous dedication of the Temple of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8. The Ark Brought into the Temple 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 1 Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel, who had assembled before him, were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth, to David my father, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, 
I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son, who shall be born to you, shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised. And I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have provided a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers, when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven, and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you, in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept with your servant David my father what you have declared to him. You spoke with your mouth, and with your hand you have fulfilled it this day. Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David my father what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built! Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea. O Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, My name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place, and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen in heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before your altar in this house, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the guilty by bringing his conduct on his own head and vindicating the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. When your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you, and if they turn again to you and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel, and bring them again to the land that you gave to their fathers. When heaven is shut up, and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place, and acknowledge your name, and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven, and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk, and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar, if their enemy besieges them in the land at their gates, 
Whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and stretching out his hands towards this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only, know the hearts of all the children of mankind, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land that you gave to our fathers. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. If your people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to the Lord toward the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy, so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near, yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive, and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, who carried them captive, and pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for your name, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you, and all their transgressions that they have committed against you, and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive, that they may have compassion on them, for they are your people and your heritage, which you have brought out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. Let your eyes be open to the plea of your servant and to the plea of your people Israel, giving ear to them whenever they call to you. For you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your heritage, as you declared through Moses your servant when you brought our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. Now as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with his hands outstretched toward heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine, with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God, day and night, and may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, 
walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered as peace offerings to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. The same day the king consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat pieces of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat pieces of the peace offerings. So Solomon held the feast at that time and all Israel with him, a great assembly, from Lebohamath to the brook of Egypt, before the Lord our God seven days. On the eighth day he sent the people away, and they blessed the king and went to their homes, joyful and glad of heart, for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David his servant and to Israel his people. This concludes today's portion from the Old Testament book of First Kings. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Up until now, the Ark of the Covenant has been in the tent of meeting. But now, during the Feast of Tabernacles, Solomon directs the priests to carry the Ark into the temple to be placed in the inner sanctuary. How fitting that the Ark be brought into the temple at the time when the Jews were commemorating God's presence having traveled with them during their wilderness wanderings. The placement of the Ark in the temple marks the end of its journey. The Ark of the Covenant serves as a placeholder for the person of Christ. The glory of God is ultimately beheld in Jesus Christ. The Word is made flesh and tabernacled among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 14. The glory cloud that fills the temple is most likely the same pillar of cloud that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. The cloud is a symbol of the presence of the Lord and the blessing bestowed on the basis of what is prescribed of righteousness according to His holy law. Notice that by this time in the history of the children of Israel, the ark only contains the tables of stone, that is the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod and the pot of manna, reminders of their history of rebellion in the wilderness, were no longer there. When the ark was in place, the priests withdrew from the holiest of all, and the cloud of Shekinah glory filled the temple of the Lord. Even as the tabernacle in the wilderness was a picture of the person and redemptive work of the Lord Jesus, so is the temple. Jesus referred to his body as being this temple, in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, and claimed it was a greater temple than Herod's expanded temple of his day, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6. Solomon's prayer is that God would hear all the prayers directed towards the temple and forgive those who sinned. The indispensability of prayers being directed towards the temple is a picture of the essential mediating role of our Lord Jesus. Apart from who Jesus is and what he accomplished in the temple of his body, our sins separate us from God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, our prayers are directed to God through the temple of our mediator, Jesus Christ. They are requests made in His name. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. The temple is referred to as the house of the Lord 26 times in this passage. Just as Moses was not able to stay in the tabernacle and minister when the glory of the Lord filled it, 
in Exodus chapter 40, verses 33 to 35, neither could the priests when the Shekinah glory filled the temple of Solomon, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10. It happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. At the dedication of the temple, King Solomon turns around. He blesses the people, affirming the fact that God has proven himself faithful to the promise he made to Solomon's father, David. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 12-21. through 21. Then Solomon stands before the altar, spreads out his hands towards heaven, and prays. He asks that God fulfill his promise to David's descendants, that they and future generations would be faithful and thereby be guaranteed a royal dynasty. However, Solomon and his descendants failed to keep the covenant. God's promise would find its fulfillment in Jesus of Nazareth many generations later, and his kingdom is being established forever. The temple is dedicated as a place of testimony and a place of prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 28-30. through 30. Solomon also dedicates the temple as a place where God can execute judgment in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It is a place for repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration in 1 Kings 8, verses 33-34. through 34. It should be a place where God's people recognize God's righteous rule, His just requirements, and humble themselves to receive correction, forgiveness, and instruction. The temple is dedicated to be a place where God is God and revered as such, with no other competitors in view. It is a place where God's name is glorified and His testimony attracts the foreigner. In verses 41 through 43, God's intention was that all nations would be blessed by the testimony of His grace that would come through Israel. The nation would be a light to the Gentiles. Spiritual blindness and hardened hearts through the deceitfulness of sin sabotaged their mission to reach out to the rest of the world. Jesus, the promised seed of Abraham, the greater prophet whom Moses foretold, would succeed where Israel failed. He is the one who brings light to the Gentiles and the blessing of salvation to all nations. Solomon prays that the Lord would uphold the cause and fight the battles for his people, in verse 44, and forgive the penitent of their sins, in verses 45 through 51. Solomon prays that God would continue to make himself known as the God who answers prayer. That your eyes may be opened to the supplication of your servant and to the supplication of your people Israel, to listen to them whenever they call to you. For you have separated them from all the peoples of the earth as your inheritance, as you spoke through Moses your servant when you brought our fathers forth from Egypt, O Lord God. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 52 through 53. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 7, verses 51 through chapter 8, verse 13. We are picking up where we left off yesterday. Stephen is giving his testimony before his accusers. He has defended his position of being loyal to the heritage of Israel in pointing out that Jesus is the Messiah. So let's pick up chapter 7, verse 51, the testimony of Stephen. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. 
Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Chapter 8 And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion of the book of Acts. What are some noteworthy observations we can make? Stephen continues to speak before the high priest and council. He gives the history of the Jews with the God of glory as the subject of almost every sentence. Before emphasizing what Stephen did not have in common with these apostate Jews, the belief that Jesus is the Son of God, he starts with what they do have in common. He starts with their history as descendants of Abraham and their participation in the covenant that God made with him as it had been sealed with the ritual of circumcision in Acts chapter 7, verse 8. The climax of the message brings their entire history to the feet of Jesus. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Acts chapter 7, verses 52 through 53. Today's reading focuses on the people's response. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God.
And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. This episode is where we first meet Saul of Tarsus, who will become the great Apostle Paul. At this time, Saul is a member of the apostate religious crowd, thinking that they were doing God a favor by persecuting Christians, as Jesus foretold in John chapter 16, verse 2. But Saul, who is consenting, if not ordering, the stoning of Stephen, is also hearing Stephen's testimony, seeing his angelic countenance, and witnessing his words describing an open heaven with Jesus at the right hand of God and his powerful words of forgiveness and committal. There is no chapter division in the original text. Chapter 8 picks up the resulting effects of Stephen being stoned. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, and on that day a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, he put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Acts chapter 8, verses 1-4 through four. Acts chapter 8 informs us of the only person in the New Testament who is specifically called an evangelist. That is Philip. However, verse 4 tells us that everyone who had been scattered as a result of the persecution were doing the work of evangelism in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. This passage tells us what an evangelist is. An evangelist is someone who is, number one, proclaiming Christ and the good news of what he has done. Number two, proclaiming Christ to non-believers. Number three, speaking so as to hold the attention of his listeners and drawing attention to the authenticity of the biblical gospel message. Number four, directing converts to believe on the Lord Jesus, be baptized, and join themselves to a local church. Having read today's New Testament portion, let's now go to the Bible's songbook and prayer book, the book of Psalms. We are reading the Songs of Ascents. We're in Psalm 129 today, verses 1 through 8. The English Standard Version titles this one, They Have Afflicted Me From My Youth, A Song of Ascents. Psalm 129 Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous, he has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Psalm 129 describes the people of God who have suffered and continue to suffer. Most scholars believe this to be written after the Jews return from their Babylonian exile and are surrounded by enemy nations. The destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians had been described by the prophets as a plowing 
in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 23, Micah chapter 3, verse 12, Jeremiah chapter 26, verses 17 through 18. Therefore, we can understand how the psalmist was still feeling the sting of God's chastisement in allowing Jerusalem to be destroyed by the Babylonians in the past. The plowers plowed upon my back, they lengthened their furrows. Psalm 129, verse 3. But we also can praise God for His faithfulness and His mercy in restoring them to the promised land. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in two the cords of the wicked. Psalm 129, verse 4. Persecution and trials are not to be considered a strange thing. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, in the life of Israel or the life of the church, it is to be expected by those who are identified with the government of God. Yet the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Christ is building. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Psalm 129, verse 2. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, yet they have not prevailed against me. God will soundly defeat those who rise up against Him and His people. The plowing of persecution and affliction work for us. It makes way for the implanting word to perform a work. In times of trial, we can put our faith in the precious promises of God's word, knowing that He will bring forth a harvest of righteousness, His likeness and image perfected in us. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Grass on the housetop will not last long, as the soil is so shallow it cannot take root. So the attacks of our enemies will not last. They, like seed sown on the wayside, will wither or be taken away. Instead of returning evil for evil, we are to bless, those who pass by may curse us, but we as the people of God can extend the mercy we have received and say to the world, We bless you in the name of the Lord. Psalm 129, verse 8. Now let's go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, and we start chapter 17 today. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Thank God for true peace and freedom from contention and strife. It is of greater worth than all the riches and luxuries money can buy. And we can all say amen. But let's pray together. Our glorious God and Father, we give you thanks for your relentless pursuit of a bride for your son. Thank you for your unfailing love and covenant commitment to travel with your people through the many years of their wilderness journey. Thank you that the journey ends with us in the holiest of all in Christ Jesus, in your presence. All that we need is found in Him. You have made Him to be the perfect solution for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Truly we have been blessed with this gift of salvation. Make us a blessing to the nations by empowering us to declare and demonstrate the gospel to those from every tribe and tongue. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. What a blessing to be reading the Word of God together. I trust you were edified. I know that each time I read through the Scriptures, I get something new. It is so fresh. And God willing, we'll be continuing our journey tomorrow. Hope you can join with us and maybe you can tell others about us. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. 
And if you'd like to know more about the ministries of New Life Community Church and New Life Fine Arts, you can go to our websites, newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. And there you can subscribe to our daily email where we give a written copy of our commentary with illustrations. God bless you and may you enjoy the peace that Christ has won for you.